0: All right, good day, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So as a reminder of our newer listeners, we are here to fuel your health, your business, and your lifestyle. And I love reminding people of that tagline because, yes, tonight we are going to bring on yet another guest co-host. Uh, this is now, once this show airs, over 400 episodes in, I've lost how much time, four or five years. So the beauty of this is that today's co-host definitely understands health and fitness Definitely understands lifestyle because his company impacts it. and But he might know a little bit more about business since he's an entrepreneur like myself. So a quick, quick background this gentleman is he's uh, he's been around, he's had seven years as an independent personal trainer. I played some time in the personal training world, been a spinning instructor. I've been a CrossFit trainer, uh, but I chose not to really go all in on that type of world. It's always been a balanced part of my life. But he rapidly built a company to over 15 staff in his mid-20s. I was not doing that in my 20s. I was a corporate monkey in my 20s. But thanks to this, he has helped thousands of people, probably people just like you listening to this show today. Uh, We'll talk about energy. We'll talk about productivity. And he's got a four-step system that I want to talk more about. So he's been at it for a while. He's generated a multi-seven-figure company. He's got some knowledge to share today, and that's why he's a co-host to join us today. So without further ado, Ollie Woodser, Welcome.
1: I appreciate being on, Scott. Thanks so much for having me.
0: And, and if anybody's hearing that wonderful, and for some of the ladies and maybe even the guys out there, accent, uh, he's <laughs> airing from New Zealand. So technically, it is evening my time, which is why I'm wearing my blue blockers. But it's lunchtime your time, right? Yep. Okay. And
1: a day a day forward as well. It's Friday for me.
0: There's the other fun of it. <laughs> actually, yeah. I just had an Australian on about a month ago. So this is actually, I should have been fresh in my mind. So I just love yep. time zones. This is what I love about podcasting. You never know who you're going to get a chance to talk to. I've had people on from the UK, Canada, but when I bring on New Zealand or Australia, it's even more fun. So but thank you for making the time. Love to have you come on. You've been at the health and fitness game for a while now. Yeah. So my question to you Right off the bat, as a co-host, is I love your Instagram, by the way. And one of the key words that starts off right in your bio, which I'm a huge advocate for, is authenticity. And then he's all, you also have adventures and you have action. So part of my brand, right, is a former firefighter. I, I, uh, and I don't know if New Zealand's ever had wildfires. I know Australia's had wildfires, but I, I did that for a short stint to the point where I wrote a book about it, started a brand, etc. But why authenticity? I care about that right off the bat. Why authenticity in your bio?
1: Yeah. So the big one for me is I'd spent about a decade in the health and fitness field first. And as you probably know from the areas you've gone through, there's quite a materialistic focus that that can come through when we start to dive too deep into that world. Now, I started off in the rowing space and and sort of that competitive nature to start with. Um, But I moved into a bodybuilding scene from there, right? And for me, it was all about the process, not me trying to do two polar opposites, right? Build as much muscle as possible and be as lean as possible at the same time. And I found that whole process fascinating and really understanding how the body works. But the, the frustration, I guess, of that entire sport is that it does become about the outcome. And as we, as we coach more and more in the space, we are uh, generally marketing on a basic outcome, but we are ultimately in the, at the same time trying to make sure there's a balance between outcome goals and action goals. Right. And that's always been a big focus. Now, Moving from that space, I was really at my peak, I guess, health level and, and really a peak physical appearance. And, and then about three or four months later, I had a pretty major motorbike crash. Um, and I basically went, I lost about 30 plus pounds, 15 kilos at the time, um, basically lost everything in that space that I'd worked on for about 15 years, right? From a physical standpoint. Like actual so for muscle me, it just gave
0: and, and fiz- all, that, all that physical conditioning you had built up.
1: 100%, it no. all gone. <laughs> uh, and I'm still, I'm actually about to go in for another surgery. I tore everything, but considering the, the size of the crash, I was doing about 130 miles an hour, uh, 200 Ks an hour, uh, on a track, of course, uh, and had full brake failure. So considering I'm still standing, I'm still alive today, I think is, is something we could maybe discuss. I would say but,
0: that's a big shocker. Yeah, yeah.
1: I yeah, mean. it's a pretty huge crash. And that just, you know, that was really a turning point for me around what that looked like. And I think really how and who I talk to the most, because a lot of us feel that there's a past athlete that we continue to try hold on to. yet. We've gone through a couple bumps in the road to the point now where we feel uh, that's kind of slightly out of grasp, right? And I think a lot of us are focusing on trying to get back to the 20 year old version of ourselves rather than trying to become the best 30, 40, 50 year old version. Right. Um, so that became a big part of that authenticity aspect of just being a bit more real about that process. And rather than being the big uh, muscle protected human, it was a case of, This is not feeling as good as it used to. I'm not doing the perfect workout. And if I was, I don't feel like I've got enough going on in my life. So, how can I take the time to really build, uh, I guess, the balance and integration of? the relationships, the business, and the health that I can actually do on a day-to-day basis in the real world right now, not when I'm 20. Yeah. So it's an alignment of values for one, but two, it's just knowing that shit happens, right? And we've all gone through that stuff, that it's no longer the perfect physique, um, habit-based workout, nutrition plan, whatever, and just trying to find a way to align those a little bit better.
0: You know, I, I love, you just dropped the key word in there, balance. And it's a big struggle for a lot of people. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I'm probably traveling, I'm back traveling more than I ever have for business. I, I'm a pretty high level sales consultant in my, you know, money making side of things. <laughs> People are like, oh you oh, you have a podcast. How do you make money on that? I'm like, I don't. <laughs> I podcast because I love to. And I don't want to monetize this show. But part of that lifestyle is and especially the past probably three to four weeks, man, I've been hammering it. And I've had a little bit less balance, right? So I have a rule to myself. I Will not travel Mondays and Fridays unless I absolutely have to I will keep my travel mm-hmm. in that Tuesday to Thursday pocket so then it feels like oh I've got a four day weekend which as an entrepreneur you and know, I can laugh about that there's yes is, is it really I mean really <laughs> so there's <laughs> still work getting done um but the part of that is that balance and you know, I, I built my my new house I got here last year. Had a, a guy had just built a brand new like metal pole barn like thirty feet by thirty five feet pole barn like two story nice big it open so what did I do right away I moved the gym into Bay One so <laughs> you can't even park a vehicle in there it's it's a CrossFit looking style gym but I mean as as you and I both know CrossFit is was is and was a very successful brand of functional fitness uh, so yep. people are like dude you, you're you're lean you're fit man like you must be working out every day and I was like no. I'm probably hitting the gym twice a week. You're like what? I said, well, yeah. There's other ways to balance health and fitness. The reason I'm bringing this up, authenticity, right? Transparency is. I've not been hitting that gym as much as I wanted to, but it reminds me of the importance of my psychological game, my mindset game, the kitchen. You know how I eat when I travel. Like I'm a nutrition geek, so I probably lead. Which I want to get into this with you. I know part of your foundational process and how you teach people and how you work with so many coaches and they teach people is I tell people all the time actually uh, one of my recent clients that has moved on I helped him train his people move out of my marketing circle is his famous quote is you know you can't out exercise a bad diet
1: hmm.
0: but I remind people too you can't outwork stress unless you've got the right not just diet but the right mindset work the psychological work so I was intrigued just to how, how you want to expand on that little topic of balance and where I went with that so
1: yeah, uh, the you know you can't outwork a bad diet is something we discuss all the time, and just taking the time to understand what parts of that are going to look at, the, you know, what part of that picture we need to address. And we tend to look at it through running a body like a business is really a, a discussion we have quite a lot because generally the people we talk to in that higher corporate space or business owner spaces that generally have some key metrics in the sales, and the fulfillment, in the marketing space that they're following, right? And they are then creating their action goals around the outcome goals that they've set in that space. And it becomes very logical. It becomes a way to take all of the possible problems that are happening and refine them down into clear action steps that we can take. So our goal of creating those five dials and getting an idea of what are those five dials for you to run your body like a business, get an idea of what are those key points, because we can push training and nutrition all day long. sometimes that's even more of a revelation because most people aren't even tra- doing the training to try get past the the lack of sleep and the crappy meal and all the other stuff that's coming through. so even adding a layer of nutrition on top of that is a really nice awareness of, okay, it's not all about training harder. And a lot of times it's actually detrimental. So how can we get back to, you know, two to four workouts a week? If that's not doing the job, clearly there's something else that needs to be looked at. We're looking at nutrition, right? We're looking at the recovery aspect, which is including, you know, at least seven hours of high quality sleep. And if you're getting seven hours and you're not getting high quality sleep, clearly it's not a quantity thing, it's a quality thing. So diving into all the aspects there. But now we start to dive into stress and energy. We really look at that through a stress resilience picture, right? Stress isn't a level, but it's a threshold. So taking into account all of these other parts, really, really helpful. And then the last one, our fifth one that we're always looking at is joy. And that always stops everyone in their tracks, right? Which is what? (laughs) I haven't played golf or I haven't gone uh, gone sailing or I haven't done something for me in three years. What do you mean by joy? right and I think that's a really really big part of the picture is taking the time to front load your day your week or at least your month to fit you back in your day because if it's not happening you're just waking up paying bills gonna bed. and yeah. I think taking the time to just build that balance of the the five dollars as we call it makes you look at it a little bit differently
0: I, I like where you went there with the joy it's uh so last week I mean I, again I travel too much as it is and a lot of my travel is actually driving because well we have a yep. large country here and we have a lot of great infrastructure and I'll travel to upstate New York and do a lot of business up there. So I was like, I could just hop in the car and I'll be there in three hours or four hours. So there's a lot of windshield time, which from a mental standpoint, great. I've got my windshield university as I like to call it covered, right? I, I want podcasts, yeah. audio books, right? You and I were just geeking out about the new Will Smith before I hit record book. It's on the queue. Um. So, yeah. so my mindset game, I'm dialed. I, I've been hacking that for a long time, but even my wife, she's like, Hey, this was last weekend, but like a month or two ahead of time. She said, Hey, we're going to Baltimore, Maryland. And I said, why? And she's like, it's, I I travel enough as it is. She's like, well, I want to see one of my college girlfriends. And I said, she she lives there. They've invited us down, but they're timing it uh, with this bike race. So I've spent years on and off racing mountain bikes. So you go 130 miles an hour. I'm lucky if I go 30 miles an hour, but then usually I'm ducking in out of trees and, and hucking it off of cliffs or crazy stuff like that. So yeah. you and I can align from the two-wheel perspective just in different perspectives. <laughs> um, but it was like a fun urban race. I've never even seen anything like it. Like they, it was almost like a scavenger hunt on bikes. But it was in and out of the city and in and out of parks. And it was at nighttime. And I'm like, well, this was different. So I didn't expect the joy but I got a lot of joy out of that. So last weekend was a great reset weekend. Yeah, I had to travel two and a half hours each way. Uh, I'm sleeping in a bed that's not mine. You know, there was, but the joy aspect that came out of that weekend, the chance to completely unplug, that was a huge win. So I love that you brought that up because that was an unplanned joy that turned into a very successful joy aspect because I love biking. And I love...
1: 100%. And we do that with all of our corporate guys that are always on a plane. And I did it, I got to practice that just two or three weeks ago, um, is if you're going to fly all that way, what's one thing over there that's worth experiencing, right? Rather than just spending it all in a boardroom and getting back on a plane to go the other way, what's one thing you can do while you're there, right? So I, I flew from New Zealand over to... Uh, Orlando, which was a, quite a far, you know, yeah, it was you about twenty five hours later, I got there. There.
0: <laughs> a little hop through. LA. Hop.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then coming back, I had to go through Utah, right? So I had a quick interview in Utah, but I made sure that I had a whole day free to go mountain biking, right? And yes. I was like, well, that seems like a pretty cool place to go mountain biking. Uh, so it was an intentional break to make sure that I was. Uh, filling both cups, right? I wasn't just going there and 100% business and coming back with less of a smile than I left, <laughs> taking the time to realize that was a really cool trip. And if I'm going to go all that way for for a conference and interview, I might as well fit something in there that's pretty good, pretty good fun, all right? So I think just looking at that through the lens of, not just coaching them of saying, get off the plane and find your closest supermarket so you can hit your macros. <laughs> yeah. It's what's one thing that you can do while, that, while you're over there that really makes the trip worth it, right? If you're going to make this money and you're going to be that driven individual in your corporate or business space, let's make sure you're doing it for a purpose and let's do something for you too. And I think that can be a subtle shift that you can apply in everyday life, but very much on a on a, uh, a big flight too.
0: It's definitely a game changer. I agree. Like for example, yeah. I, I'm not a gambler, but mm-hmm. you, you mentioned trade shows or conferences, for example, right? Like what's one of the yep. biggest cities in the U S slash the world that people go to conferences at Vegas. So, mm-hmm. uh, not a fan. I don't like cigarettes never have. And I don't, I just the mind numbing of, of casinos and beep, 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 beep. I'm like, nah, I'm out. But if I ever go to a conference in Vegas, just like you said, I purposely either extend a day or get out a day early. And I go just outside the city uh, out near Henderson for Red Rocks. So they have, People hear Red Rocks, and they think of the amphitheater outside of Denver in Colorado. They're famous for outdoor concerts, all this rock formations that creates the perfect amphitheater. That's known as Red Rocks, but there's Red Rocks in, outside of Vegas, and there's hiking trails and rock climbing there, and it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And I, So I love the fact you brought up Utah. I used to live out in Arizona. I used to live in Colorado, and Utah, I loved mountain biking there, uh, canyoneering, rock climbing, I mean— great state so genius move on that man uh, uh do you remember where you went uh park city okay yeah so we were just skiing there a couple of years ago we're big mountain skiers too so uh, again p- part of your profile adventures in action right taking action and having some adventures so great yep. great choice and now have you been to utah before
1: that was my first time to the states actually so oh. uh, orlando and utah are the two things ticked off so far we're we'll definitely wow. back
0: okay <laughs> Well, smart move out in Utah. And as you probably could tell from the colors and the rocks, it's like, it's a completely different world. The The state is very earth tone, as I like to call yeah. it. <laughs> like here, here in Pennsylvania, in the Northeast, on the East coast, like this is the time of year where all the trees are changing for fall. Yeah. So we have like every form of orange and brown and all the greens are kind of disappearing. But when I lived out West, And I I realized, I was like, oh, they don't get a lot of fall out here. So when I moved back to the east here, it was a nice change years ago when I came back from firefighting. So, well, listen, on this note, we've got balance, we've got authenticity. We're talking about, you know, big corporate guys. So you're talking about interviewing and everything else. So what are you doing these days? I know you influence a lot of coaches. You're doing a lot of online business around these topics. So you got a strong following online. Clearly, you might be doing something right. <laughs> uh, so how how these days are you building that team even stronger to influence even more people like myself, like high performers looking to get that level of commitment and better success out of life?
1: Yeah, uh, I, I've always joked I'm working with the people that need it but don't want it. I'm always trying to find a way to make sure that, you know, we work with creative courageous men and, and business owners in that space that know – They need to look after their health, but they're still looking at it as a conflicting interest from work. And I think our entire goal has been, how do we make sure that we're making this an asset to how you are the infinite entrepreneurial business owner, corporate CEO, that really feels like that's another asset in your tool belt, not the liability. Because everybody's sitting there with a ticking time bond of how long is that body going to last, rather than how do we make sure that we're putting these action steps into your week that rebuild how you show up in your day. And I think that's been the evolving nature of how I've approached fitness is, you know, it was all about optimizing training, right? And I was the the classic one size fits all. You all need to be a bodybuilder (laughs) and optimizing what movement looked like. Then we dove into nutrition and eventually gut health space. And that's, as you know, an ever evolving world and very intricate, very understand, uh, very uh, interesting. And that really allowed us to bring in a picture of, okay, well, most people are actually just coming in with so much stress and inflammation that they're never actually going to get any results because they're not addressing the bigger part of the picture. So that became a really nice layer on top. And then the third layer became, well, As we said before, we're still looking at this as a conflicting interest, right? How do we make sure that these are habits that you're adding into your day to become the high performer you want to be and making sure you're not um, looking at this as a ticking time bomb? How is this something that you can do every day and make sure that you're front loading your day or your week in a way that you show up as as just as effective as you did last week? Because everyone's so obsessed about your level of productivity. But if you've got no capacity left, then what's the point, right? You're still working with a very finite amount of time to actually get any work done. If we've got that energy, we're diving into the weekends and still enjoying those adventures and coming back on Monday with the same level of drive and momentum that you had last week, that's the kind of stuff that we're trying to build. And that's what health is supposed to be. If it's just some big, dreary, painful, torturous process, then of course it's something you're going to keep pushing to the side. And it's just trying to find a way to align those beliefs a little bit more with the people that want, that know they need it but haven't found a way to want it because it's still being pushed away as some scary thing.
0: Well, and so obviously the the, the parent or the the all-encompassing name of this, like your your methodology is the body reset, right? Yep. So, and actually, a screen share since we record video for the YouTube life, because I like your imagery here. So this trifecta, what the, the best part yeah. is, this trifecta of spheres has inner layers and outer layers. That's what I loved about this graphic. But also, I mean, I don't know if it was meant this way, but, I, when I went back to school as an adult student years ago to add marketing into my life, I did a BS dual major in marketing, and then I ended up falling in love with psychology. So mm-hmm. I ended up dual majoring in psychology because one, I was acing these courses, so it was a great GPA boost. Uh, but two, I realized that, and very quickly, that whatever I learned in there on business was not going to help me outside mm-hmm. of the collegiate world. So I might also well pick up a science, and I am obsessed with psychology. Uh, and physiology tied to psychology is a big win. When I first started the show, I had a regular guest on. She was a sport, uh, regular guest co-host, a sports psychologist. She and I used to geek out. And mm-hmm. But I love the fact that this is basically positioned in your design here almost as a foundational sphere. And yeah. Was that done on purpose?
1: Yeah, you can't change physically unless you're able to attack that mentally, right? Mm -hmm. And as you can see, one of the big parts that we've put in there that we see time and time again, which is such a huge part of that is self-compassion, right, is you can't create change long term from self-hate. And most people only ever start a health journey because they get to a level of pain that they can no longer tolerate. They need to do something about it. Now that lasts for about four weeks until they finally get out of the pit of pain and then they run out of a reason to do so. So the goal of making sure this is a long-term health approach is making sure that it comes from a place of self-compassion. I'm doing it for me, not to me, all right? So definitely a a foundational element, something we nerd out on all the time uh, and trying to make sure that that is a a key part of making sure you enjoy it and you'll do it long-term.
0: Well, I think that's also huge because not just from everything you just explained, but thanks to my connections in the health and fitness influencer world, They've taught me a lot, just like you are today as well. And that's why I love about podcasting, too. It's not just about the audience. Like, I get to geek out and learn and absorb things, too. So, but, like, look at, look at the bodybuilding world. You have a strong background on that. Even you had to realize, wait a minute, are we doing everything right? Now, granted, when people look at the finished result, it looks like this you know, Greek god or goddess uh, of results, mm-hmm. But over the years of me doing just podcasting, I've met former bodybuilders or bodybuilder coaches or influencers who have started supplement companies or whatever, and they've all agreed that the traditional, quote, traditional bodybuilding world does reach points of very, very unhealthy places. Uh, And actually, you know, in your imagery, you talk about gut health, for example. That's a big topic that has come up out of that. And I've looked at some stats recently just in the past year, and maybe it's a supplementation issue in the market, but we have lost a lot of bodybuilders, like as in death. And mm. I don't know if you're up on those stats or not, but I was like, whoa, look at this sudden spike. And I was like, okay, are we overtraining? Are we supplementing the wrong way? Are they forgetting these other crucial elements? So because I, this was one of, I don't prescript the show, but this is one thing that I wanted to definitely bring up because I'm like, okay, I knew you had a bodybuilding background. I loved this body reset graphic and i was like are you up on this did you know that there's been a lot of young young bodybuilder deaths a, a higher spike just in the past year or two compared to year over the yeah. over the past 10 15 years alone
1: yeah yeah And it's an area that I'm sure we could geek out in a while. There's a whole bunch of awards there that are from, where are they? Uh, The bodybuilding, classic physique, etc. I was basically on the brink of the professional bodybuilding. So really that scene, Um, you know, getting to 100 kilos, basically 220 pounds at three or 4% body fat. Like you are looking your best and feeling your worst at that moment. Uh, (laughs) And I think the biggest one that has become a conversation I've talked about quite regularly with high level Uh, clients that we've worked with for a while is understanding there's actually quite a big difference between uh, health span, lifespan, and performance span, right? If we're going for a run for three to five Ks, you know, a couple of times a week, that becomes healthy. If we decide to do a marathon and we try to do one of those each quarter, that's becoming less of a health Thing and that's becoming more of a performance thing because at some point running 42Ks is no longer actually healthy for the body, right? It's actually quite detrimental. Now, if we look at performance span, we are optimizing towards a particular goal that might be cognitively and making sure we're as effective as possible in the workplace. That might be that we're trying to achieve a certain goal. I've got one client at the moment who's trying to beat the world record for most pull-ups in 24 hours, pretty awesome goal. Um, But that's going to take away from... Uh, at some degree, if we're running marathons every month, that's going to take away from lifespan, right? Because we're breaking down tissue, we're putting an immense amount of stress on the body, all of that stuff. So we, it's no longer black or white, we're either healthy or unhealthy, but it becomes a dichotomy we want to manage where we're looking at all of these areas or or ultimately just a spectrum of to what degree do you want to get there? Because the first 80% is very different than really trying to chip away at that last 5%. How do we want to hit the top 1% in the world for performance? How do we want to hit the one top 1% in the world for lifespan? Right, Because that's a very different goal. We're seeing a lot lower protein diets. We're seeing more fasting come through, all of this stuff. But that's going to be very different, again, from the performance span. So it really depends on what goal we are then working towards. But back to your question, it's now that we're getting to such extremes of all three of them that people become so confused, so conflicted on what's actually right for them. Um, and we are pushing the extremes of what the human really is is supposed to do.
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting, right? Because I, I can speak to this, uh, serving as a in here in the, I don't know if they call them that the way that but in here in the US, if you're the upper echelon of wild and firefighter are called hotshots. So that's why my new book yeah. is called So You Want to Be a Hotshot, I served as a Hotshot. Yep. And, and i said it in the book, even I didn't know what the hell I was showing up to. <laughs> like I thought I was ready. I was fit. I had just run my first yeah. marathon back in 08. I was training <laughs> up to get ready for this endurance level career. And even I wasn't ready. And uh, that built up over two years of serving, you know, you're doing 2000 hours in one summer. Like the average nine to five employee or, or business owner nine to five, two weeks of vacation a year, let's say that's 2000 hours. Like you're working 40 hour weeks over time, But that's, we were doing 16-hour shifts, two weeks straight on, on live fire assignments before you had to take two days off uh, for mandatory health recuperation. I, I air quote that because then you're back at it doing it again and again and again. And this goes all summer long. And I was, ba- my home base was Arizona, but we were shipped all over the West because that was hot shots due. And there's times you're fighting a desert fire at 115 degrees Fahrenheit. I mean, cactus, cacti can burn. Who knew? <laughs> So uh, I was like, and then after, at the end of every fire season, you're just shot. Like, I didn't want to go to the gym. I didn't want to go for a hike. I didn't want to go for a bike ride. And that was that, it's like you've just pushed these cortisol levels to the point where, yes, throughout that journey and our training, you, you said it earlier, I wrote it down. You know, stress is not a level, it's a threshold. So I was, I, I understood that. Like, okay, they were pushing our thresholds out and out and out to be able to handle more. So when we had those times, we had three hours of sleep. We just, we ended up going over that 16 hour shift that we weren't supposed to do. And next thing you know, you did a 21 hour, you know, and you're literally standing there at night, making sure that the fire doesn't cross the fire break, stand there, holding your chainsaw and you're falling asleep while you're standing there. Never thought that was possible, but I figured that out. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. We pushed our thresholds out. We are we are freaking jacked, man. We were strong, but by the end of a fire season, you're dropping weight. Your, your stress is just through the roof. Uh, it, it took me probably two months to like hit a reset and just look forward to doing things that I wanted to do in the off season. Well, I mean, yeah. so, so can you expand more on that threshold component and how you help people understand that from not just from the health and fitness perspective, but obviously you as a, from a business perspective, like how you guys are really helping me wrap around that because I think for ceios out there i like to call them that ceio it doesn't matter there's so many versions of a chief whatever officer these days how are you guys helping really get people to wake up call on that
1: well that's the big part of having that conversation around stress and realizing that it's really an alignment of the two i've said it a couple of times is trying to make sure that you know a lot of these guys the they, they can resonate with being an athlete at some point in their life, right? They became competitive. They pushed themselves in some way. So they understand what that looks like from a physical threshold. They very, really understand that they're going through the same mental athleticism in that current role, right? The amount of responsibility, the amount of mental hurdles that are happening at 3am, the lack of time to actually stop and recuperate. And if, if you're getting ready for a marathon, you know, that, there's, there's four to five runs a week, maybe a couple of weight, weight training sessions, et cetera, to get ready for that run. But if that's all you're thinking, you're never going to get to the race because you'll strain something, you'll pull something, you won't get to that day. It becomes about fueling. It becomes about recovery. It becomes about getting ready for the next day. Now, if stress is something that's now chronic and it's something that's just happening for 10, 12, 16 hours a day, I'm shoveling food down when I'm finishing emails. I'm on the phone while I'm taking my kids to school. I never turn off then I'm in a position that, of course, I'm not going to recover, right? Once you get past 25 as an athlete, you know that it's never about putting more effort in. It's about making sure you're recovering harder than everyone else on the playing field. And just taking the time to look at that as an effective business owner or high-level exec, that you're looking at it through the same lens. I think it's just important to make sure that that's, that's happening to start with. And as you have, I, I've looked at that through the lens of uh, rowing, uh, bodyboarding, um, uh, managing a big team, just... Understanding that each one of those, it's doubling down on that recovery, and understanding that no human is designed to have stress twelve hours a day. Like things will break down. Oh yeah. But taking the time to even uh, one study that really shifted my whole thought process about weight training about a year and a half ago. Uh, was a study done on on uh, mice that we, we looked into a couple of different studies from there. But it was ultimately one where they got these mice into a depressed state. And they can do this very easily through a low level of stress to the point they start showing sort of depressive symptoms coming through. Okay. Now, you know, this is usually the state where they start testing out certain drug protocols and et cetera to improve depression. Right. Coming through now, instead of going into the classic mouse holiday or trying to try some other protocol, what they then did is expose them to five minutes of high stress a day, right? So they had a low level stress that was causing this chronic stress and breakdown of, of both mental and physical resilience. Right. What they did instead was expose them to five minutes of high stress a day. And what they saw was a drastic reduction in depressive symptoms coming through. It's like, it's right? like,
0: like interval training almost.
1: Exactly, 100%. So what we're looking at is this, it's no longer the stress reduction is 100% a thing. Grounding, breathing, um, yoga, whatever it might be is, is helpful. But taking the time to look at this in that high performance field where the goal is never going to be to remove stress entirely, but to be able to tolerate it at a high degree, we now start to look at training as such a huge asset of creating that armor to tackle the day, the week, the month, is making sure things like uh, the cold showers, the hit training, even weight training at a certain degree in a higher threshold environment can be one of your biggest assets to bounce back. All right, One person jumps out of an airplane with a parachute and they find that exhilarating. The next person is really scared. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the difference. Oh, yeah. So understanding that in every, in every environment, it's no longer a level, it's a threshold, right? And I think there's perceptions and things that come through as well. But being able to control the stress that you start the day with allows everything else to be more manageable rather than just letting the day tackle you. And I think that's a really important shift or mindset around how you can approach health to be that tool belt, to be that asset rather than liability.
0: I love that because like you obviously were talking about building out the thresholds in a good way and a bad way, right? So like that that, uh, cognitive awareness that, hey, yes, great job. You're pushing that threshold out physically, but- Keep in mind: Are you monitoring the mental health, the the hormonal health, for example? Are you Are you listening and and to your body? I mean, I yep. love the connection on skydiving too, because like I, I love to skydive. I actually proposed to my wife uh, skydiving; it was a whole thing. And if people are like, <laughs> I don't understand why you would jump out of a private airplane, I'm like, well, why not? <laughs> you know, life is short; live an adventure. Um, but the point there was: every time I get on a plane and I go skydiving. Yeah, I still get that little heart flutter, right? It's still exciting. You know, it's still like, oh, okay, I'm going to jump out of a perfect good airplane. But once you're out, you're good to go. But I built out the threshold. I've now jumped over 10 times. Uh, I'm actually now considering to go through all the individual training to do it independently because then all I got to do is basically, it's like paying for a ticket to get on an airplane. Like I just want to, you know, pick up and go. I don't have to worry about having some some guy strapped to my butt. (laughs) (laughs) So... I love that. That's a very, very important awareness piece of like, hey guys, what's your thresholds? But also great job pushing out your physical thresholds, but don't push out your mental thresholds so far that you become numb to it and you're not yeah. even aware of what you're doing to yourself. And I think that's, I think that's something that happens to I think any high performer. I've, I've been there in the business world. I've been there mm-hmm. when I've like, actually right now I've been traveling so much in the past 90 days. I notice my stress levels are going up. I said, wait a minute. You know What? I'm like I'm cutting the travel way back through the end of the year. It's time to reset. You know, I shouldn't be feeling these stress levels. I, I can feel it in my body. Like, hey, you know what? I, I miss getting that extra day or two in a week. I don't like this, you know, twice a week in my own gym. And then maybe I'll go hiking or something like that while I'm traveling, right? Mixing that into my lifestyle. But still, it's like, wait a minute, there's, something doesn't feel right. And if this was 10 years ago, I wasn't aware of that. But now I'm more aware of that. So I love that you guys are teaching that. Actually, on that note, I love thresholds. I had to share this. This is off for your Instagram. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> T- so tell people what I'm sharing on the video, because obviously most people are going to pay attention to this in the podcast world. This is off of his Instagram, by the way, at Ollie, O L L Y, Wood N Z. So W O O D N Z for New Zealand. So what am I sharing right now?
1: <laughs> this is a, how long is this between? Uh, <laughs> must be, yeah, 10 years. Yeah. Um, a, f- a fair amount of time. Um, and ultimately, this is my first bodybuilding show, which I did in my first year of uni. I don't know why I decided to do that while in a hall while eating the food I was eating. Um, <laughs> that was about eight months post um rowing. Okay. So really it was, you know, a structure that I was working with that, you know, was just the first time I really got to challenge, challenge myself in that space. And I think, you know, one of the hardest things you can do is try to stay uh, cognitively focused at work or in, in study yeah. <laughs> while also trying to create, uh, you know, to get down to that level of body fat. Yeah. Whereas the second one, uh, was, I think about six months out or six, six weeks even out from my last, uh, bodybuilding show. So there uh, was all of this pre- was
0: before the accident, right?
1: Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, again, I've got a whole ne- whole nother structure to build, rebuild past then. <laughs> right. Um, I, I think the big reason i posted this photo was understanding that what was required at those two levels is very, very different, right? The first one was I love training. That was not a discipline, right? And I think I get a real frustration around um, uh, people in the fitness space saying, I'm disciplined. You need to, you know, need to train like me. I'm like, it's not discipline. You enjoy doing it, right? I think discipline is when you are in a in a, uh, your inner space where you are compelling yourself to do things you either uh, are scared of doing, you uh, are bored of doing or, you know, whatever else is there. It's a compelling to do so, right? So I think taking the time to build discipline with uh, business owners and, and people in that space, I think is a huge part of my understanding between those two pictures, because the first one was no stress. I just had to talk about the training nutrition thing and it worked, right? Going through the second one, you know, six to 10 years later, I can't remember how long it was between the two, was... It was now tackling stress, sleep, toxicity, like how does this body work before nutrition and training even become part of the picture, right? And I think just giving that context shows how things need to be a little bit different and how you approach health to be a little bit more intelligent, right? Because
0: And that just like you said earlier, like your mental thresholds as far as stress management, like you said, take the kitchen out, take the gym out. There's a different mental game between those two pictures, obviously, just age alone. So
1: yeah. Yeah, and uh, a, a mentor said it to me the other day and it stuck with me really well is if I gave the level of stress that I just tackle on a day-to-day basis today to me 10 years ago, it would have crippled me, right? I just didn't have that mental muscle built up. So understanding how many more things you're tackling in that day, I think is such a drastic part of that, um, that understanding that was was pretty big. And and you look at those two fo- photos and you think, oh, he's always been in shape, right? But throughout that process, I went through some pretty big shifts in, in what that looks like. And I'm quite excited to do a third version of that post uh, crash, um, is getting an idea of what I'm doing is building a skill set. And even if I if some of those things are taken away from me or, uh, you know, the training thing, the the injury of the shoulder, all of these things, what I'm doing is building a skill set and feeling in tune with my body. And one of the things you said that I think is 100% accurate before is we start to get a point that we become so numb to what's actually happening, right? Most people in that corporate space are a head sitting on top of a meat suit and they're completely disconnected, Right. And just getting an idea of of trying to feel those things again, right? We talk so much about nutrition through how do you feel on those foods? Count colors, not calories, right? Just getting this awareness of building that foundation of food. Because if I ask someone how to, you know, I want to focus on a goal, goal of how you feel, that drastically changes the goal. And I think being able to create those targets and communicate the reason you want to do it creates a very different outcome. An example could be if my goal is to go running every day, uh, you know, I might achieve the goal, but I start to feel that my knees are sore. And I feel like it's not something I really want to do long term, because I, I don't feel good doing it. Right. But if my goal really was because I want to feel fit, I want to feel good in my own clothes, I want to have the energy. Well, now that's a target that I can lock in, I can be flexible on the approach, right? And I think that's a drastic shift as well, around just getting that connection of mind to body a little bit more associated.
0: Well, and I love that you toss in that keyword there of inflammation too, right? Because the, I, I've talked heavily about this on this show. Like I, a few months back, I was just at the 2022 uh, KetoCon conference. They finally resumed oh, yeah. it in Texas. And again, it doesn't matter if you're ketogenic, carnivore. I, I mean, people are like, well, "What are you?" I'm like, I, I guess you would call me a carnivore keto because I'm I'm a huge meatitarian, as I like to call it. Uh, so I have no problem. People, are like, I, and I remind people like, I've never counted a calorie in my life. I tried to one time and I got the app and everything else, and I'm like. I grew up on a farm. It's not rocket science to me, anyway. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to eat fresh, whole, I'm good. That's it. I think the only difference nowadays is, uh, as my one client called it, I just I don't really go out and buy the meat jewelry. <laughs> I love that little thing. He's like, oh, look at that. It's like, it's like jewelry on the plate, you know? So I get a kick out of these things. Point is, yes, a lot of inflammatory response in the body is triggered from poor nutritional choices, right? Excessive sugars, excessive grains, things of that nature. It's been proven. We have the science, yada, yada, yada. There's plenty of influencers that I can, I've had over the history of the show that I can tell people to go back and listen and don't listen to me. Just listen to them. They have the PhDs, etc. cetera. Uh, but that mental triggered or the emotionally triggered inflammatory responses, the stress, that's that's like, yes, okay, great. You said earlier, yes, you could fuel yourself for that competition. You could fuel yourself for that, or you know, for firefighting. I could fuel myself for that race. Nutritionally, fine. But I'm my if my other fuel tanks, so to speak, are empty mentally, emotionally, hormonally, I am not going to perform well at all. And that, yeah. that comes into play in, in the workspace. Like, especially if you're a high performer, trying to get ready for a body comp. I, I've never done a body comp. I'm saying, I'm that's why I'm, I'm looking for your feedback here but you're also trying to be a professional and make money because the average bodybuilder doesn't do this full-time and live off of that salary or those winnings or whatever it may be. Everybody's got a job or a business. You got to also be a peak performer over there. And man, if you're trying to be a bodybuilder and run a company, let's say, uh, those are two, two peak levels of performance. So that's why I love your, your, your image that we were showing earlier. I'm going to screen share that again while you jump in on this. So, Mental health. There was two things
1: I wanted to add on there, man. One is that space of, you know, what can you do to optimize your nutrition before you even look at the food on your plate, right? And it's understanding the state you're in with when you're eating, right? Which is where this picture comes in really nicely. We're looking at the integration of physical, digestive, and psychological is understanding that you can't separate these three. And we're in this world, we're constantly trying to say, well, here's the perfect nutrition plan, or here's the perfect training plan, or, or whatever, but I think taking the time to look at these separately is really missing the entire picture because what we eat is going to be impacted by how we train. What we, uh, How we digest foods is going to be impacted to how we feel, right? So understanding the state and being able to control our central nervous system response around food or just be aware of what's happening through that day, I think is one of the biggest skills that we can build to be a, a high performer in any area, right? It's just how do I feel when I'm eating? A very easy, actionable step for any of the listeners right now is Take three to five deep breaths before eating or even just close your eyes. And if your eyes are darting around, you're probably overly stimulated. And it's a a world that people live in all of the time and um, you know you and i we've got the the sexy red blue block glasses and just getting awareness of the you know light exposure at the end of the day all of that stuff right and i think just taking the time to take 3 deep breaths before taking your first mouthful for a lot of people you do that for a couple of weeks and you realize well wow, i haven't stopped in 10 years <laughs> you know and just getting awareness of that coming through is is really really big oh my god i totally uh, agree
0: like you said mention blue blockers like i just held up my iphone yep. right so video watchers knew what i was saying yep. for the listeners like oh my God, people underestimate the impacts of this glass. Like the eye twitching thing is so real. Nothing else. What he just said, do that. Like hit pause on this podcast and not while driving your car and (laughs) close your eyes and see if your eyes are twitching. That's a real thing. You're not the first person to bring that up, Ali. It was like, that was a fun exercise. That's when you know you either work too hard that day or the heck right now I've got three monitors in front of me i've got a ring light up here for good lighting that's another reason why i'm wearing these blue blockers i was like i got so much stimulation coming at me and i'm obviously looking to perform well with you so I was like let me take the light issue out of the equation so you and i because i don't want to get off of this and be so overstimulated that in the next couple hours when i focus on my quality sleep i can't drop into that necessary rem cycle so i I just had to bring that up because i'm like yes unplug from the glass people
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah Makes a huge difference. Um, so that was the first one. I completely forgot what the second one point was, but just taking the time to look at those, the integration of the three and understanding that you can't really separate them and simply taking the time to uh bring that conscious pause to your day can sometimes be one of the easiest ways to to move forward, right? Go go slow to go fast.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I mean again, in your in your image that you know, I've shown you earlier again, the low energy issue, right? The recovery. Um, I like the fact that you were saying about pausing, like uh people f- focus so much on the short term. But another part of mm-hmm. your outer circle on the physical side is that long-term mobility. And for me, when I think of the word mobility, yes, I do yoga and I remind myself like, Hey, when I'm done doing my physical fitness, don't forget to decompress, open things back up. Right. If you want to just call it stretching yoga, whatever you do, like But so many of us are so focused on the short-term gains and they're forgetting the long-term gains. What's that long term? Like you going through a massive crash and now you have to rebuild yourself again, uh, that's a game changer, and I think now i I have to ask you, are you doing it just for yourself i I would do it for myself like I went through a massive crash, I've had my shoulder t- my shoulder torn apart I've had two surgeries on it, so um, I don't know if it's the same thing you're going through, but it's a game changer making a comeback from a massive injury, and I know for me, I did a lot of it for myself to just for my own just just proved myself that I could come back and do it so
1: yeah uh, I, I think it's it's twofold, but for me, I was the i I didn't know anything about long-term health until I went through it. you know, I'd had ten years worth of getting in shape, but that was me talking about nutrition training. That's really where those other three dials came from, right? Joy, energy recovery, looking at those pieces of the puzzle that actually matter um came from going through the crash and seeing how things are different, right uh, seeing the variation that came through, I was someone who, I crashed on Sunday. Had to stay the night cuz I was worried about, you know, how is this body still together? <laughs> um and I was I still remember myself sitting in that that bed saying, well this is bloody convenient. I've got a whole lot of stuff on Monday I need to dive into and and a whole week of work to really dive through. So that was me with that, you know, at the time I didn't really know it, was the head completely dis- disconnected from the body. Mm-hmm. Is I wasn't actually taking the time to realize what I'd just gone through, what what I was doing to myself. I was burning the candle from both ends. I had all of these targets and goals, and I hadn't checked in with myself in five years, right? So it took me about six months to be like, wow, I actually went through that. And I'm noticing things are harder. Obviously, my arm's still hanging off me. I'm 15 kilos lighter. Um, I can't do the things I used to do. For the first time in my life, I feel stoppable rather than unstoppable. Uh, Things feel frail, things don't work the same way. Um, I'm just this, yeah, I think it's just really the awareness of how much that impacts who you are at your core. And I think when you start to look at that a little differently, I didn't experience levels of fatigue, lack of motivation, uh, gut health issues until I went through that. And then I started to how much show how much accumulatively that came through wow. from just low level stress, a lack of the freedom I got from exercise at the time, forcing myself to find uh, ways to look at mental health outside of exercise. Right. I think many people are trying to fix their mental health by going for a run, but they're really running away from it rather than running towards actually finding what's happening looking into the space of mindfulness and understanding just so many areas of finally asking questions that I had spent so much time running away from. And, you know, just as we talked about with Will Smith's book, um, most people it either takes 30 years to do so or they never even see it. Mm. So taking the time to realize that that was in a lot of ways quite a turning point for me, quite a, uh, a um, I think, quite a gift to really go through, I think is over said, but at the same time, very true. Um, it was something so that was recently, re- <laughs> absolutely and yeah. for me that that you know if you looked at what my entire coaching company was about before and after there is a whole new level of depth to who you, who we're communicating to for that very reason and i think it's just you know i get you i understand you this is what that authenticity aspect has really shown through about is just getting an idea of well there's more to it than training nutrition and any personal trainer says that you're undisciplined because you're not weight training It doesn't understand half of you, because if you're a business owner doing, you know, 10, 12, 15 hour days, you're not doing that out of a place of self-love every day, right? There's a level of boredom, but there's a level of targets that you're creating level of of delayed gratification for. And as long as you've got some set targets that we can work with, and this isn't just a blur of putting yourself last forever, I think that's something we can work with. And it's just finding that deeper desire, finding that deeper alignment uh, to make sure we can work with rebuilding it back up because there's so many factors that make you tick.
0: Well, I love that because you had recently just mentioned the importance of that core, like your inner self, right? And yeah, the I started building that over the past decade after fire, like firefighting, it took a lot to get into that and take that huge risk, leave the corporate life to go do that. I was—I never thought about becoming an entrepreneur until a few years after that. But during that, but in order to be successful, in order to make the money I make now—and it's not money's not everything—but obviously that's been a positive side effect. It was, yep. that like mindset, that mental health, like okay, knowing when to you know check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> um, but p- building that inner foundation to reflect outward was a game changer. Like I hadn't done anything major like a firefighting adventure like that in a while. Like I've done Spartan races stuff like that over the years, right, to get my adrenaline going, skydiving, and then actually, well, 2 years ago, right before the pandemic, I decided to try my first ultra mountain biking race. So, it was yeah. a it's called the Wilderness 101 here in the state of Pennsylvania in the mountains, and it's 101 miles on a mountain wow. bike with 10,000 feet of climbing. <laughs> and then right before that, Uh, I was in the July race. I decided to propose, then get married. Then right before the wedding, I was doing crazy CrossFit competitions, wasn't paying attention, and then triggered a spontaneous pneumothorax, which basically means I collapsed my lung. And then because I had built up so much resiliency to a negative, I didn't bother going and get a scan or an x-ray or anything. I just assumed that I had a chest cold. And then I went and competed in a CrossFit competition uh, uh, one weekend couldn't figure out why I couldn't catch my breath. And then two weeks later, I finally go get an x-ray. <laughs> and they're like, you need to go to the ER now. Like, you have a life-threatening injury. I'm like, no, I don't. It's been like this for two weeks. They're like, oh, you're getting in the ambulance and we're taking you there now. You need to have a chest tube put in because you have, you have a significant collapse of your lung. I had knocked down 40% of my lung. So I was performing. Yes, I was fit, <laughs> but <laughs> clearly not in a healthy state. And this was right before my wedding. And we were supposed to do heli skiing and everything else in the Canadian Rockies for my wedding. And my wife was like, you better get that fixed (laughs) because that's going to mess everything up. And then I went and tried that race. Only made it to like mile 65 of the 100. I was like, I'm coming back and do it again. Well, this past year, I got to do it in July. I completed it. 13 hours in a bike seat. Does not feel nice. But I had to rebuild once again remind myself of the mental game, keep the stress levels down, everything we've been talking about today. So I just thought it was fun to toss it back in here because I'm motivated, inspired by you and I'm excited for you too because I clearly could tell like, dude, you can't wait to rip that lid off and not just finish the recovery, but become another whole new level of yourself through this recovery from that crash. It's it's very inspiring.
1: Thank you, dude. And I think your example there is such a good physical example of what most people are going through, which is, you're trying to force that productivity space or that target that you're working with but you're running it with a collapsed lung like what happens if you just take a second to rebuild that first that whole game becomes so much easier and hopefully that's I think a big part of today's conversation is we're taking the time to look at front-loading your health taking the time to actually look at rebuilding those pillars first to making sure that the, the simple stuff works right and I think taking the time to just check in with yourself, those pauses, those, all of this, you know, journaling, meditation, uh, mental health comes into this space so much. But it really, truly comes from a core of uh, this really needs to be in, a, in alignment with the goals you really want rather than if something you're fighting and should do because shoulds don't get done, right? You're just shooting all over the floor. Yeah. So taking the time to look at that a little differently, I think, is a, a big part of it. And it's a reframe. And when you can look at that as a real asset, I think things just really change because there's a congruency around it. uh, And I think that's really important.
0: It's very important. And I I love it because we're coming to the end of our show today and we've been hitting on so many powerful things and there's a great alignment here. And and I love it. Cause actually I I love how you brought up journaling. I actually got back into journaling this year uh, because I took a break from it for a while and I'm like, you know, let's get back to the basics. What, what built that foundation, right? So I love journaling again. I just bought a bunch of these moleskin books and it's been great. Um, So on that note, we dropped a lot of bombs here today. You hit a lot of powerful things. I remind people to go to bodyreset.online. But if you had to sum up a lot of what we did today, like you can call it a legacy message. I like to call it that when I end a show with my guest co-host. Is there there a legacy message that you're doing behind everything you've done because of how much you've grown, both mentally, physically, and through trauma? Uh, Or is there just something that would sum up a lot of what we talked about today? To help just people move forward with, even if it's just a small action, like how would you like to close out the show?
1: Yeah. Um, for me, I think one of the things I learned really early on that's made a huge difference in how I approach all of this was uh, when I was rowing in, in high school, it was something that you knew that you were doing more before 9am than everyone else was doing in their day. And you kind of had that as a bit of a chip on your shoulder going into your day. But what I noticed is I was falling asleep in class and I was, you know, grades were impacted and I was trying to play the poor me mentality, right? Like, no, I'm doing rowing. So, you know, I need to have special treatment. And I can't remember who it was at the time, but he said, you do realize it's something you chose to do, right? And I think just anchoring that and realizing that this is something you get to do, not something you have to do, right? And I think many of us are just the the dog lying on the nail, right? It's not painful enough for us to move. So we're just moaning about it. And I think taking the time to just be aware of that space is a huge part of just creating ownership around your situation, right? If you're talking about situations and circumstances, you're giving power to it. If you truly want to take ownership of your life and take the time for the parts of it that are less than optimal, then look at it through that lens. You get to, you don't have to. But if you want to sit there and be the the person, the, the dog lying on the nail, that's ultimately for me what's happening and you just need to stop lying to yourself. I think it's a big part of it. It's just intentionality.
0: Hmm. I love that.
1: Intentionality.
0: Well said, sir. Well, listen, hang tight. I'll give you a proper goodbye off the air. Ladies and gentlemen, I mean, Ollie just dropped some powerful closing words for you and I guarantee, I don't even have to question it. You guys all took a lot out of today. I took a lot out of today. I just want to remind you guys, it's bodyreset.online. A reminder, all this stuff, including show notes, to be at livethefuel.com uh, and just... Just take what he just closed out this show with a little bit more serious in your life. Take some positive action. Go check out his site. Okay, even if you don't sign up or, or do what they do, you know, pay businesses right away. There's a lot of good content on there. There's a lot of great testimonials from people uh, that have gone through their programs, which I enjoyed. And also just follow him on Instagram too. I mean, he's got a strong following on there. So again, at HollywoodNZ.com or not.com, but all this stuff will be linked on the show notes on LiveTheFuel.com. Thanks for listening. Remember, we are here to fuel your health, your business, and your lifestyle. Ollie helped us do that today. So I just want to close out and say, remember, you too could live the fuel. And we'll talk to you guys again soon.